But again, because everything God does, he does according to a pattern. And based upon a principle, you have to see the principle that's there. When people believe a lie, it says, it says they, that they might believe a lie and be damned for it. Now listen, if you believe a lie, it becomes truth to you, right? In other words, if you're told all your life, like I always give the illustration about my own life because again, the, you know, when I was, before I was saved, when I was a drug addict and when I was going back and forth to prison, you know, I had four, I actually had five parole officers and you will have heard me share how many times I had, I, 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 from years and years of my life, I had these officials look me in the face and tell me, Anderson, you're going to be an animal all of your life. Uh, you're going to be a drug addict all your life. You're going to go back and forth to prison all of your life. I heard that over and over and over and over and over again. Well, faith comes by hearing. <laughs> and if you just keep hearing something and keep hearing something, you'll start believing that something. And what you believe, you empower. Now, that was a lie. When they told me that I was going to spend the rest of my life as an addict or the rest of my life in prison, that was a lie. But because I had no other information, I believed that lie and it became truth to me. So I'd come out of prison, I'd go back to prison. I'd come out of prison, get back on drugs, get back involved in crime, go back to prison. That was a lie. But the thing that set me free is somebody came and told me, you don't have to live that way. There is a freedom, there is a way out to the grace of a man named Jesus Christ. And they began to tell me the truth. And of course, the truth I began to believe, the truth broke the power of the lie and as I continued to do the same thing now in reverse, instead of keep hearing those lies, I started to put myself in a place where I kept hearing the truth. And little by little, the truth began to obliterate the lies that had been in my heart, been in my spirit. And where I had lived a life where I couldn't, I can't, I never will, suddenly hope began to come. You know, and life began to come and truth began to come. And I began to realize, wait a second, according to this word of God that will never fail, I can do all things through Christ. I can have a normal life. I don't have to go back to prison. I mean, whatever, you know, however it works. But the thing is, I believed a lie for a long time and I was damned for it. Because what you believe, you empower. And this is the thing, you see, in church, this is why it, it's so, I, am, I get kind of aggressive sometimes about it because I get righteously indignant when I see people in bondage because they're in church where they're supposed to be getting the good news of Jesus Christ and all they're being done, all, all this happening is they're being preached about, well, they're being preached down to so much about sin, 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 that people have great faith developed in the power of sin. And they're trying to get free. They're trying to make their people get free from sinning by telling them over and over again, that's sin and you're not supposed to sin. Quit sinning. Well, you don't quit sinning because somebody tells you to quit sinning. You need a tool. You need something that is a powerful tool at work in your life that empowers you to be able to say no to sin. And again, that's what the grace of God is intended to do, and we're going to see that in a minute. But let me show you this verse on the bottom of the, of the page here. This is an incredible verse about the power of renewing your mind. I want you to see this in the Amplified it's on the outline, 1 Corinthians 8, 7, I said, is an example of this truth about wrong thinking. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 8, let me just give you the background of it. 1 Corinthians 8 is where Paul is having to deal with an issue where many people, these are young Christians, Corinth, the church at Corinth was a brand new church, as it were, the people of that isthmus there, you know, had newly come to faith in Jesus Christ. And in that area, Corinth was a, was a, sea, a seaport area where sailors came in, all kinds of ships, came in in those days, and like all seaports, it was full of uh, all kinds of idolatry. It was full of prostitution. It was full of everything that, there, that you can imagine at that time. In fact, when you study how things were, it's really fun. They would have, anyhow, he's talking here about food offered in idols because in those days, what would happen, there were many, they worshiped, uh, they worshiped Aphrodite there in Corinth a lot, which was the way you worshiped Aphrodite was they had temple prostitutes and you'd go in and the idea is you'd sleep with these women or men, but you'd bring like sheep or oxen and you'd offer up sacrifices. And, but the way it was in those days, if you can imagine, so here's a temple to Aphrodite where you serve this false God by prostitution and you're bringing uh, gifts of lambs or pigs or or beef or cattle, well, they would take those prostitutes, the people, the temple prostitutes would take that food and literally they show all these old drawings of the city. Right next to the city would be what you and I today would call where the butchers were. And they would sell this meat on to the butchers. And next to the butchers would be where people would buy food. There'd either be like what we'd call today a cafe or a restaurant where people could eat food that was prepared for them or buy food from the butchers. So here's all these young Christians and they're coming and they're going and going, oh my gosh, we're about to buy food that had its origin. In other words, this food came from people sacrificing it to false gods. Oh my God, what are we going to do? We, we surely, we're Christians. We can't eat this food offered unto, offered unto gods. And so that's what Rome, 1 Corinthians 8 is about. And Paul just, again, I don't want to read the whole scripture, but Paul is talking and he said, if we were to go into and read it, it's some of my favorite scripture because Paul said, listen, he said, now about food offered unto idols. He said, some people have knowledge of these things. And the Greek word is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And he goes on further. And as he speaks, he said, now we know, he said, that there be no God but our God. He said, therefore, food offered unto idols have not been offered unto a God at all because there be no other God but our God. He said, Howbeit not all men has this knowledge. And the word there is not gnosis, but it's epinosis, E-P-I, which means a higher form or a higher plane of understanding. He said, but nevertheless, he said, if people go ahead and eat this food offered unto idols and they don't have this higher knowledge, he said, their weak consciences will be defiled by it and they'll suffer condemnation. But now let me read, then take off and then read this verse. He said, nevertheless, not all believers possess this knowledge. But I just want you to see this phrase because it's a really good, it's a really good uh, definition from the Greek. He said, but some through being, let me start over. Nevertheless, not all believers possess this knowledge. In other words, about the fact that there's no God but our God. So this food wasn't offered under real idol. He said, but some through being, now listen to this phrase, but some through being all their lives until now accustomed to thinking. That's the phrase. But some through being all their lives until now accustomed to thinking of idols as real and living 
still consider the food offered to an idol as that sacrifice to an actual God and their weak consciences become defiled and injured if they eat it. Now, the reason to me that's so important because here's another pattern, like I said, that deals with the same truth in Thess- Thessalonians that I spoke to you about. 